0: Welcome to Monstrology, episode 19. My name is Will, and I am back, (laughs) and I've got lots of uh, Monstrology energy ready to go. Um, I am well rested, uh, well relatively after my vacation. Uh, Madryn, you you made it back in one piece. Uh, How is Neville doing?
1: Oh, yes, I did. We had a lovely time. He showed me around the forests of Cuba and introduced me to all of his cousins. And, you know, I understandably, he kind of wanted to avoid big cities and things like that. So we didn't make it out to Havana. But, uh, you know, it's just it's such a beautiful landscape. Uh, Just I had a lovely time. Mm
0: -hmm. That's nice. Yeah, as you can see, I've got a bit of a tan. Uh, I did manage to find it Uh, myself uh, on Siren Island. And I had uh, three amazing days, uh, followed by one pretty horrific day. Uh, Many interns were lost in the saving of my life. uh, They they offered and they they were happy to do it. But um, I had to make a lot of phone calls the next day. And um, let's just say I won't be going back to Siren Island uh, anytime soon, um, as there's things that you just you can't unsee, you know,
1: so it's the kind of vacation spot that like, once you go, you've experienced, you've had the full experience, you don't need to go again.
0: Yeah. If, if, well, and if, if if you're lucky, uh, you have the opportunity not to go again. You know, um, I, it seems as though um, there wasn't a lot of ships that tend to leave there. Um, so I just count myself lucky. Um, but, you know, it's one of those things when you're on a boat and you're you're at sea, I was feeling like. I wanted to try to make sure that I keep eating healthy. I know this is like a weird mm-hmm. thing to talk about when you're on vacation and you know, you're know you visiting a Saturn Island, but I did think about it and I was eating lots of fruit and I was also eating lots of garlic because it's good for your immune system. And so imagine, oh, yeah. do yeah. you eat a lot of garlic or do you? I do. do you mm. have garlic at home right now?
1: Oh, yeah, I, I have garlic bulbs and I always keep it. I know this is very gauche, but I also keep it minced in a jar in my fridge for mm. very easy food good. preparation. Yeah, good. like garlic and onions is basically the basis of everything I cook.
0: Mm-hmm. It's oh, very good. rare
1: that if I'm cooking something, it doesn't start with garlic.
0: So you currently right now probably have garlic in your system?
1: Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, okay, that's
0: good. That's good. I, it's, it, I think that's going to be pretty important today. Um, we have a guest coming in who's not a big fan of garlic as far as I know. Um, now, it, it won't be too much of a problem because we're at a distance, but just to make sure uh, that they don't uh, get into any sort of funny business here, other than the funny business that we want, of course. Uh, it's good to keep garlic at the ready, maybe across. I don't know. I feel like I maybe just starting to give it away. Today's monster is... And just to preface this, we've been very excited to see this monster for a very long time. (laughs) Today's monster is vampires. Absolutely one of the top-tier monsters, uh, in I guess in the monster food chain. They're both very powerful, and they're absolutely the classic, like Halloween monster. We try to sprinkle these out throughout uh our numbers of episodes so that we 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 do some deep dives. But we've been looking forward to doing this for quite some time. Um, the tricky thing that I found is in a way, I think everyone knows what a vampire is, and yet. Like I wasn't entirely aware of its kind of deeper history, um, so I'm just going to go through the basics of what a vampire is, and I'm sure that everybody, including uh, you, Imagine, and our listeners, will be like, "Yes, that is a vampire," but yes, I'm just going to say it anyway.
1: The known um, vampire, yeah, or vampire,
0: <laughs> yes, uh, or we can, yeah, we can get some different names, but I'll start with. So basically, vampires are for folkloric beings who exist by feeding on life essence. Now generally, this is in the form of blood, but sometimes it's not. Sometimes it's feeding off the energy of of living creatures. Um, And and this happens whether they're undead or a living person. Like there's this kind of feeding uh, that they need to sustain themselves. Um, Vampires normally appear human. Um, They have elongated fangs for puncturing uh, the necks of their victims and draining their blood. Um, and, And some vampires develop like feral animalistic expressions when caught in battle or while they are feeding. Like it seems mm-hmm. to be that they very much change form or they've got this kind of primal um, appearance that, that kind of pops out when they're, I guess, excited. Feeling uh,
1: extra vampire Yeah. Yeah. Um,
0: <laughs> in most depictions, vampires are undead, um, meaning that they have been like revived after death uh, and many are said to rise nightly from their graves or coffins. Um, sometimes they very specifically have to be from their native soil. So whatever soil they were tried, uh, they were supposed to be buried in or they were from, like there is a real connection to the earth that they have to be attached to as part of their like vitality. Um, they're said to have pale skin and range in appearance from uh, grotesque to beautiful, uh, depending on the story. Um, another frequently cited, uh, physical characteristic is the inability to cast a reflection or shadow, um, which means that they can't be photographed or recorded on film, um, you know, typically in, in real life. Now we're not talking about in the movies that we see because those are actors portraying vampires, but I'm saying real vampires sure. um, are not going to be able to be seen. So so that might make things a little bit tricky today, but we can maybe use our imagination or maybe they've got some sort of uh, magic uh, spell that they can cast so that we can see them and talk with them. Um, you can become a vampire in a bunch of ways, um, but the most common uh, is to be bitten by a vampire. Uh, other methods include sorcery, committing suicide, contagion, or I did hear that um, it can happen because a cat uh, jumps over a person's corpse. That is the most obscure and interesting origin of a vampire that oh, I have see?
1: Found. Never, I have never heard that before. That yeah, is, I mean, was, but what a cat-like thing to do is just yeah, jumping I guess over maybe dead it's bodies. Like
0: a, it's like the walking under ladders. Like Maybe it's one of those oh, yeah, of scary, yeah. like stepping on a crack, breaking your mother's back, et cetera
1: or if you see a black cat
0: yeah, yeah like cat cat jumping over a person's corpse that's uh that's going to do it you're going to go right to vampire um the term vampire uh wasn't really popular until the early 18th century um after like an influx of vampire superstition into western europe occurred um where vampire legends were frequent um the balkans had them uh, they just went around East, eastern europe um there was a couple different names and imagine maybe you can speak to this a little bit of vampires kind of all over the world, but Mm -hmm. two of them that I found were the uh, Vrykolakas in Greece. And the one that I think of um, when I think about origin is the Strigoi in uh, Romania. Um, Mm -hmm. And the term Strigoi is used in a lot of pop culture as well. You can very clearly like trace that, that origin back to Romania. Um, And There was just like, I mean, kind of in the same way of like witches in, I guess, America and Europe, there was an increased level of vampire superstition, which led to mass hysteria. And in some cases, um, corpses actually being staked and people being accused of vampirism, like it would be before they die, they would kill them again, just in case. Or I saw um like they would bury them with scythes or bury them upside down so that if they came back as a vampire or as a demon that 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 person wouldn't choose to haunt their family like there's all these strategies of dealing with the dead so that they didn't become a vampire
1: right yeah like i had read a lot of accounts of people exhuming the bodies of their dead family members just to stake them through the heart or to behead them again mm-hmm. because the the idea yeah and a very similar thing that I came across many many accounts uh, across many cultures where if a person had been turned into a vampire they were more likely than not to then terrorize their living family members like mm-hmm. specifically their family or the person who had killed them mm-hmm So yeah, there were a lot of times where it was just part of the, almost the like precaution of, of preparing the body for death that you would then stake it through the heart or behead it. And then, yeah. And then, like I said too, a lot of, um, like say a lot of misfortune was befalling a family. They would start digging up their old family members to stake Mm -hmm. them through the heart thinking like, oh, well, clearly Aunt Bertha must have been a vampire. And that's why bad (laughs) luck is befalling the family. Now we should dig her up to behead her.
0: Like- yeah I mean it's it, it is I mean other than the mutilation of the body which is probably not a good time uh it's kind of win-win because you don't want somebody who would have passed into the, another realm to be stuck as an undead being and also you don't want that undead being coming after you <laughs> who is still living um so I mean if they're already dead what's a beheading you know and you
1: know and what an afterlife faux pas to you know you don't know you're a vampire you die you come back you start terrorizing your family how embarrassing must that be so you know if if it were up to me i would just be like you know what just give me a good old stake through the heart just as a double double check i don't want to have to come back and start terrorizing all of you you know just let let the dead be dead
0: let the record show that i wouldn't mind being buried with a scythe could be kind of cool why not It kind of fits my personal brand could be nice yeah um there was something interesting that I found when I was looking up the origin of the vampire too, because I very much and I'll talk a little bit about this in a second, but I imagine them as being more like suave, modern, like almost for like a better term, like gentlemanly creatures. But the original, very
1: charming, very is, ver- charming. is very much the vampire like uh, persona kind of. that I have. Like they're yeah. very charming, they're 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 sexy, they're but the original very kind engaging. Of
0: medieval um origin of the vampire just around that time was that they were actually quite bloated and like Mm -hmm. kind of like fatty and full of blood the idea is that they had so much in excess that when they died they like bled out of all of their orifices and stuff um and uh corpses thought to be vampires were generally described as having a, a healthier appearance than expected and then like i don't know it was a funny thing of like They found the body and if the body didn't look like it was, I don't know why this doesn't seem consistent, but like when they were digging up bodies and they were looking at, they're like, well, that one didn't decompose. It must be signs that they're a vampire because they look too healthy and they didn't die. But they also said that like, you could look like a vampire if the vampire did like contain too much blood for a human being. Um, So I guess it was both like cases of extremity. Anyway. Uh, sometimes when they like opened a grave, villagers even um, described a corpse as having fresh blood from a victim all over their face. Like again, this idea that the blood just kind of like burst out of their body. Um, yeah. Um, I have a bunch of almost like specific cases of people who could have been vampires throughout history that that went into Ooh. this lore. Um, so the first one that I can think of which is like the inspiration for um, Bram Stoker's graphic novel, Dracula, which we could talk about in pop culture, but it's not super modern um, coming out in 1897. Um, that kind of launched so much of what we imagine to be a modern vampire. But um, uh, people said basically that he drew on like the popular central European folktales about Nosferatu, but also specifically uh, the 15th century Romanian prince Vlad Atepes or Vlad the Impaler. Oh, Vlad the Vlad Impaler. Vlad the Third, um, who was born in Transylvania as the second son of nobleman Vlad II Dracul. Um, he took the name Dracula, meaning son of Dracul. And uh, when he was initiated into a secret order of Christian knights known as uh, the Order of the Dragon, it, he, he got this kind of reputation as being Dracula, but also just being absolutely ruthless. Like this guy was mm-hmm. notoriously terrible. Um, and it's, it seems like they, they attach um, like the history of, of building the story of Dracula comes from him. So I thought that was interesting that maybe there's some sort of, Real life link. We can ask our guest uh, later if there's any association there to the 15th century. Um, well, I mean,
1: typically when the Impaler is part of your name, mm-hmm. yeah, you come across as kind of a kind of a ruthless dude.
0: Yeah, but even just like the fact that that's where Dracula comes from, I mean, yeah. almost 400 years before the book is really interesting. Maybe
1: he was like the OG vampire. We'll have to ask.
0: Yeah, yeah, where like you know the stories came from that 400 years prior. The other person that uh, could have been a vampire, who's to say, it was a long time ago, um, the late 16th century Hungarian countess and mass murderer, Elizabeth Bathory, um, who (laughs) killed and tortured hundreds of girls and women between 1590 and 1610, um, was known for bathing in blood. Um, as a way to achieve immortality and keep her skin uh, young um, which sounds pretty vampiric to me Mm -hmm. Um, and uh, yeah I mean a brutal mass murder who knows how she was killing them could it be vampire stuff involved Um, but um, that's another one of those historical vampires that may or may not have existed who's to say um, I guess they've been doing a better job of hiding in the shadows uh, for the 400 years afterwards. <laughs> um, Madrid, do you want to talk about, I've got some fun things to talk about to cap off our history, but mm-hmm. maybe some some vampires that you uh, noticed from different places in the world as well?
1: Yeah, the some of the other vampires that I found out about ha- really leaned into the stereotype of vampires turning into bats. Mm. Or like into... Um,
0: Well, there's a whole bunch of yeah. This is not a bad time to. So they could turn into bats, rats, uh, mist, wolves. There was a bunch that like kind of surprised me too, Um, Mm -hmm. but those were the big ones.
1: Yeah, or like there's one called the Sassabonsum, Bonsam, which uh comes from the like around southern Ghana and around the Ivory Coast. Okay, Uh, and it it's said to have iron teeth, pink skin long red hair and iron hooks for feet cool. and it lives in trees so it attacks from above yeah. and it has to do with this it's like a territorial aspect because in west africa there are all these different rules for renewal within the forest mm-hmm. and the and some and would administer these rules so they're almost like the ruler of the forests there so mm-hmm. and then also too they're described as like while they are kind of humanoid they do have bat like features like mm. they have 20 foot long wings uh and then again like with the the hooked feet and the teeth and that sort of thing is
0: very cool you know, the thing that surprised me I, I know you're not talking about this one specifically but the wolf thing gets me because I always think of and this is again another episode but werewolves being separate and I was surprised that like vampires kind of sparked some of that imagery and that uh, monster origin as well like the connection between yeah. wolves and nature, I was I was like reading an animalistic... a lot of,
1: I, yeah, I was reading a lot of connections between vampires and werewolves. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
0: And I, I wasn't really quite as aware of that because like I guess I kind of split them up in my brain, but, um,
1: totally in, in mine as well too. But so, so here, this goes on to another one that I was looking at, which I thought was really cool is the, um, so, uh and that's how it's known in trinidad and guadalupe and the dominican but it's also known as the lugaru in haiti and louisiana and Grenada. Mm. so that and of course there's that all that sounds very much like Loopgaru, which mm-hmm. is the name for a werewolf mm-hmm. so this one it's it's such a specific story i absolutely loved this one so much uh The Sequoyant is a shapeshifter who looks like a reclusive old woman by day. And at night, she takes off her wrinkled skin and puts it in a mortar. (laughs) So now she's in her true form, which is a fireball. Wow! And she flies across the sky looking for victims. She can enter into your home through any size hole. So like a keyhole or even a crack in the wall, that's how Mm. she can get in. And she sucks people's bloods from their arms, necks, legs. And I'm not really sure what this means, but soft parts.
0: (laughs) I I think while they're
1: sleeping, (laughs) which leaves a blue black mark, like a bruise on your body. Mm. And if she draws too much blood, that could either turn you into a sequoient as well, or just kill you straight up.
2: Mm
1: -hmm. Um, And then to expose a sequoia or like, or to repel them, you should throw a mound of rice around the house, or even in like the village, uh, multi-purpose spaces of, you know, of villages, because she is obligated to pick up every single grain, one grain at a time, which of course takes a huge amount of time. So most of the time she's not able to do it before dawn so that she has to be out of there before the dawn breaks. Right. And then if you want to kill her straight up, you have to pour coarse salt into the mortar that holds her skin.
0: Mm. So then
1: that way she can't put it back on again because it uh, it's like it dissolves her skin.
0: Right. It's similar kind of to the um, destroying of the soil. Like if you destroy a vampire's coffin sometimes or the soil that they were created in, you can cause damage to the vampire itself because it has nowhere to go to reset yeah um, and now that was
1: actually i wasn't even going to talk about this at all but when you brought up about the the connection between vampires and the soil of their birth mm-hmm. i was reading about um what we in the western society refer to as chinese vampire they're called the Yangxi. Mm-hmm. so in china it's very important that you be buried in your hometown even if you have moved away from there and so People will pay other people to like bring back the bodies of their loved ones if they're if they died somewhere other Uh than their hometown. But for really poor families who can't afford a cart, they will basically pay a, a sorcerer to go to the village where their family member has died. And then the sorcerer puts a piece of paper on the corpse that has their name, birth date, and then like a special spell which reanimates the corpse so that essentially it will then follow the sorcerer back to their hometown so that they can be properly buried.
2: Oh. But
1: if the paper gets taken off by the sorcerer, so like say he finds out that the family can't afford to pay him <sighs> or they like they've done something to to annoy him or, or anything mm-hmm. to that effect, like once they take off that paper, the yangshi if they're not at home and being buried, Will gain its own consciousness and then just start to like go rampant and get dangerous and we'll start mm-hmm. killing living creatures. Wow. So I just thought that that was like that was so interesting. That again, here we are, like way over on the other side of the world, there is that such importance about tying a person's body to the soil of their birth. Mm-hmm. And if you can't make that connection happen, all hell breaks loose. Like basically you've got this like blood sucking, almost, you know, undead creature wandering Mm -hmm. around killing people because they've never made it back home to be buried.
0: Yeah, don't try to swindle a sorcerer. And for that matter, uh, make sure that you trust your sorcerer (laughs) because uh, bad things could happen if they just lose that piece of paper. Um, Yeah. There was something you were saying about um, not that vampire, but the one before the ball of fire vampire that like came in through the keyhole was the name of that Mm -hmm. one. Um, Uh,
1: the the sequoient
0: the sequoient so it's interesting that with this one there's no um superstition or consequence to uh them coming into the house uninvited because that's another thing that we should mention with vampires is there is a clear um threshold that they need to be invited into the house or often they will begin to decompose or like age rapidly um the other thing that we should say is like i mean we'll get into kind of powers too but like sunlight historically Um, the original vampires weren't like burned into a ball of flame but in the past about 150 years that has progressed as well so that sunlight has like a very severe consequence like that's the influence of vampires in film and that kind of like language that we inherited Um, but there is a couple more rules involved there. There is um, a list of vampire archetypes that I found which maybe uh, isn't like historically based in anything but i thought was pretty accurate it was on unwinnable.com uh, <laughs> was the nine types of vampires and what they represent and i think madryn you can agree when i go through these uh, that they do uh, apply to all sorts of different vampires uh the first one is seductive sinners um they have medieval revenants uh, aristocratic romantics castle dwelling drama queens uh, nocturnal party animals nightmare inducing monsters weapon wielding goths emotionally unavailable hunks and high school heartthrobs and like there's a great you can go on to unwinnable.com and see all the examples of different um vampires within each one of those but it was nice nine strong different archetypes of vampires in the way that they kind of slot into um there's definitely some
1: overlap in there though right like the like the
0: the uh, unwinnable
1: brooding hunk it totally also overlaps with like medieval uh, aristocrat like for sure for sure yeah
0: but i like that they have like a a lot of different hits like a it is an interesting point that vampires are so popular that they have existed and they're utilized in stories and in very um different ways depending on what they serve the story and I think some of that is even just depending on what era they're in like putting a vampire in today's time versus contextualizing a vampire in the 16th century is very different like yeah there's no high school heartthrob in the 16th century but they could be an emotionally unavailable hunk who happens to also be a castle dwelling drama queen uh, who's to totally. Say? um yeah and I
1: think that that's our our modern take of it is like the high school hunk and the emotionally unavailable those that's basically like you can't have one without the other in our modern depiction of vampires
0: yes there's a lot of (laughs) weapon-wielding goths though in contemporary times and I'd say the other one Mm -hmm. that I've seen in a lot of um stories is the uh, nocturnal party animals which is a very contemporary version of the vampire instead of it being this almost like romanticized uh allegory for religion it's like almost a allegory for excess and like the need to live forever or like not like be punishing to your body or something like that. Or
1: like if you live a consequence free life, because no matter what you do, you're never going to die. Mm-hmm. You might as well just party every night or rock and roll every night and party every day.
0: Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> um, yeah. I mean, th- there's lots of things you could do, but if there's no consequence, you also don't have to do those things. Yeah. Um, Okay, let's get into the last bit that I have for history here, which is the classic powers and weaknesses. Vampires have a ton of powers and weaknesses. Um, Their powers include immortality, agility, night vision, shape-shifting. We talked about this already, To many different forms. uh, Superhuman strength and speed, uh, hypnosis, regeneration, wall crawling and vampirization, which is the act of turning somebody else into a vampire. Uh, as we talked about, there's a few different methods for that, but that is a skill that they uniquely possess. Um, Let me see so- if I can
1: guess all the weaknesses. Sure. Holy water? Yes. Crosses? Yes. Garlic? Yes. Sunlight?
0: Yes. Fire? Uh-huh.
1: How many more are there?
0: There, I don't to remember which ones you guessed, but I, Beheading? I have-
1: Behead- uh, I mean, beheading yeah, is usually I have it a as, go-to. Uh,
0: decapitation is what I have. Yeah, it, uh, th- I mean, it they're as. very.
1: I can't think of a monster that survives. But like beheading is always usually a good go-to.
0: Hmm. Um. There's a couple more. Okay. How many? How many did you have on your fingers? I'm at now? six. I'm at six. I've got um ten. I think. Cool. One, two, three, four, five. Yeah, ten. All right, hit me up. What did I miss? Okay, holy ground. Like ah, I knew that. So like you like can't, on the
1: churches and st- a church yeah.
0: or like if somebody has blessed the ground itself. Um, yeah. did you say silver?
1: No. Ah, dang now they're going You one know, too. you
0: gotta have silver or even like a wooden bullet, like a holy bullet. That's not what I was thinking about, but it, the same kind of uh, Bless oh, you. I guess I didn't
1: say staking through the heart. I, that was that's kind of a given. The other
0: one I was gonna say is just the heart seems to be a weakness for the vampire. Like it's a very sure. much a dangerous spot in the same way that having your head cut off is. Um, and garlic, I think is um, I said garlic. So the ones that I have, just to recap, I'm not sure which ones you have. I think is holy water, holy ground, uh the cross, silver, decapitation, fire, a sunlight, I think is the one that you missed. No, I got um, that one. Uh the heart. Uh, invitation is the other one. So invitation if is you the come one in missed. without, um, yeah, if you come in without permission, you, there is can be pretty grave consequences for the body. Of All right, the there
1: ball. are even pop culture or indications or, or, sorry, depictions that like they are physically incapable of coming in without an invitation. It's like they're hitting an invisible wall.
0: Yes. Yes. I yeah. guess it's one of the two things, either they physically can't do it or there's a grave consequence for them doing it, but there doesn't exist. I think any story that I've read with vampires where it's like, ah, no big deal. That's not a real thing. It always seems to be a real thing. So I'm curious to find out from our guests whether that's the case because it seems to be pretty consistent. Um, That's all that I've got for history. Um, So we're going to take a little bit of a break. And when we get back, we're going to dig into the mountain of vampire (laughs) pop culture. The first thing that i think we should tackle for pop culture is probably books i mean i usually jump right into movies but i think with vampires there's something to be said for starting with literature um so there's two major cornerstones of literature uh for vampires one being dracula uh, which is a very common story Um, with uh, Jonathan Harker, a young English lawyer who travels to Transylvania and plans to meet with Count Dracula, a client, uh, client, and they're trying to finalize a property transaction. And when he arrives in Transylvania, uh, the locals are like, whoa, you can't go there. That's terrible. Terrible. You can't go to Castle Dracula. Um, And basically, there's kind of three parts to the story. The first one is Jonathan at the castle, uh, kind of experiencing all these horrors and like Terrifying vampire images and kind of losing his mind. Um, part two takes place back in England, where Harker's fiance, um, like her friend, is kind of seduced by a vampire, and she is transformed into a vampire. And um, part three is that uh, basically Dracula and his boxes of dirt uh, go looking for uh, Harker's fiance because she's like the spitting image of uh, the wife that he lost centuries ago. Um, and, and so it does have a nice kind of three-part experience. I know there was even a Netflix TV show. I think that did three very different episodes. Um, and obviously there's the the film, which uh, I also watched and I have to say was a lot of fun. Anyway, I'm talking about books right now. Um, so there's <laughs> uh, Dracula. And then even earlier than that, the first kind of popular uh, novella was uh, The Vampire spelled with a Y. Vampire. Vampire. Um, that established the archetype of the charismatic and sophisticated vampire instead of the bloaty, um, bloody ones that we had from before. Um, in this uh, case, there is a protagonist. Uh, Aubrey meets the mysterious Lord Ruthven at a social event uh, when he comes to London. And essentially just the people are, uh, around her including eventually her sister keep dying so she keeps placing her trust in this beautiful sophisticated man and at one point even like he dies and and as he's dying he says like oh you can't tell anyone about me for a year like promise like i will come back if you promise not to sell anything uh, about me for one year and then she sees her like a year later and he has a new identity and is completely healthy and she starts getting Eventually, uh, suspicious of this man, um, but that's John Pilladori's 1819 novella, *The Vampire*, uh, which is really where we get the modern vampire from. Um, there's also like a series of books called *Twilight*. We don't have to spend too much time eh. on that. Uh,
2: they're very popular.
0: There no uh, there's some films. Uh, people like them. There are a lot of glistening vampires. Um, they sparkle. I watch, they sparkle. <laughs> um, Uh, I I like the actors involved. Anna Kendrick's
1: in them. I love Anna Kendrick. So they're not all bad.
0: I think all the actors in it have gone on to do great things. So I'm not going to talk any smack about them, but I will say that the movies and the books are not my personal favorite. Ah, (laughs) But you know what? I did find Madryn and maybe you knew about this already. There's a whole bunch of comic books that feature vampires. Um, For example, DC versus vampires, where Justice League has to take out a secret society of vampires uh, before they take over the world. Um, do, do you know? Do you know about that one? Uh, I don't also... know
1: speci- the yeah, the specifics of it. I think there's also there's a Marvel version of essentially yeah. the same thing. Yeah, yeah it's um,
0: there's a Curse of the Mutants where uh, Dracula's son betrays him and tries to take over the X Men to create a powerful army, so they have to. Tr- like try and find and revive Dracula himself so that Dracula can take out his son and that the X-Men don't all become these crazy vampire X-Men. And there's one that I want to now buy uh, called um, Batman Vampire, which is a three-part series and basically a slow descent into madness for like a murderous unhinged Batman. So it starts out where he's like fighting a vampire. And then he basically, it's like three parts. The second part, he is a vampire and they like, try to kill him and bury him and get rid of him and then the third uh and i think he like snaps and kills everyone in arkham asylum and so they they try to like put a stake through his heart but because they don't behead him when they take the stake back out he like comes back to life and then just completely like destroys everything in gotham it's very like very dark but i was like this seems kind of
2: cool see but this is
1: what i'm saying before like nothing comes back from beheading you no, just, no. even even if, like, even if you're like, even you're like oh yeah, I shot it with a silver bullet. You'd be like, ah, I'll just mm-hmm. chop off its head just in case.
0: Yeah. And the, the art looked really cool too. Like just to see, I mean, Batman always kind of toes that line of like being a little bit too aggressive, you know, in the same way of like private detectives, you know, breaking the law for their own choices or like Batman, he always gets a little bit too, depending on the take. Right, right. Like, like
1: Batman's whole thing is that he doesn't kill, but he really gets, right, close to that edge yeah yeah lot. and so
0: with this yeah. it's like they just remove that safety net like it's just batman yeah. just doing what he's always wanted to do in a kind of ravenous vampiric way so um that seems very cool Interesting. Um, i think
1: it's really cool that you and i are we're both like let's talk about these really old-timey vampire books because the one that i wanted to talk about is carmilla oh yeah uh, which is yeah, also uh, an theory, 1872 like a- gothic novella mm-hmm. um and and like it's a pretty it's it's a pretty basic plot like there's this young woman who is very socially isolated and her cousin is supposed to come and visit but they end up not coming and she's very disappointed by it and then this mysterious woman and her daughter have an accident in front of the house and the woman is is in a is in a hurry she's there's this meeting that she has to go to and so she makes arrangements with this this girl and her father that her daughter is going to stay with them for three months because you know back in the 1800s you just dump somebody on your doorstep for months on end um (laughs) so Carmilla and the girl Laura become very good friends but like Carmilla kind of acts weird like she mostly wants to sleep most of the day and like she doesn't go to church with them and like it's a little funky but it's fine but then Laura starts having like crazy nightmares and she ends up waking up with uh like bruises on her chest and things like that and so lo and behold of course it it turns out that Carmilla is a vampire um and and the the count and and Carmilla have a fight uh you know they have it out. Um, but what I, what I really like about the story of Carmilla is that like it has it, that's where our um, seductive lesbian vampire tropey mm. ideas really come from. And what's really interesting is that, especially for a book that was written in the 1800s, it doesn't actually vilify her sexuality. It mm. just really kind of makes it more subtle and ambiguous. And it's just kind of part of who she is, but that's not the thing that makes her a predatory villain, mm. which is, I would, you know, I really, I appreciate that. Um, and, and I think that that also feeds into that, um, you know, very charming, alluring, like, the, oh, this person's just so, it's just got this draw that's just so mysterious. I don't know what it is about them that's so great. You know, that, that idea that we have more in our modern vampire ideas.
0: I'm pretty sure there's also a like very long-running Canadian web series called Carmilla that has been going on forever, if oh, really? I'm not mistaken. Yeah, oh, that's like that. loosely reinterpreting the novella of the same name, and they're like roommates. Um, oh. And I will have to look up the details of it, but I'm pretty sure there's like a massive following for this web series, because I've seen, I think, people I know on it, um, but oh. I haven't watched the whole thing, because it's, uh, I mean, sometimes when you look at something, you're like, Oh, 300 episodes. Where will I start? <laughs> uh, um, uh, but yeah, it has I was, a bit of a time. Yeah, I,
1: I was also reading about um a Victorian era another gothic horror, but it was more it was a penny dreadful uh
0: Oh, nice. <laughs>
1: a series called Varney the Vampire.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um Which is absolutely, totally bonkers. Like the writer, it was obviously written by several people without any kind of regard for continuity, because it's supposed to kind of take place in the early 18th century. But then there are references to like the Napoleonic War. And then there are also things that also make reference to it being clearly in the mid 19th century, which is when it was being produced. And then things happen in London, but they happen in Venice, but then they also happen in like Bath and all over the place. So they can't even really figure out um, the setting for for these things as well too. But um, what was really interesting is that this is, I, I think this was the very first Story to refer to sharpened teeth for a vang- vampire where it like specifically they're described as with a plunge he seizes her neck into his fang-like teeth mm. so apparently this is like the first written account of using like fang vampire teeth cool. uh and then one was also interesting too is that looking back on the legacy of it, people who have studied these things have said that this was um Uh, like, yeah, so a lot of these vampire tropes came from Varney, like the fangs with the two puncture wounds left on the victim, that they come in through a window to attack the fair sleeping maiden. That's where the idea of the hypnotic powers came from and the superhuman strength as well too. And then what I really liked about it is that over the course of the stories, Varney becomes increasingly sympathetic and it's almost more like he is a victim of his own circumstances. Uh, and ends up ultimately committing suicide by <laughs> by throwing himself into Mount Vesuvius. Oh. <laughs> Which is like the most drama queen thing ever. So there you go. There's your drama queen vampire <laughs> trope yeah. right there. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Um- I always like to uh, do a shout out to anyone who's looking for a family friendly version of the monster that we're doing. Um, And there is a children's novel series written by uh, James and Deborah Howe called Bunnicula, um, about a vampire rabbit named Bunnicula who sucks the juice out of vegetables. Um, The series consists of (laughs) uh, seven seven books uh, published between 1979 and 2006. Uh, and apparently, uh, Deborah, who's like one of the co writers died uh, months before the book saw a print, like the very first one, but it's like this Aww. very prolific series of books about uh, Vampire Bunny. Um, so I recommend. Um, the other book that I was thinking about, and then I'll uh, jump over to movies, is uh, I Am Legend which is also obviously a film, um, but it was first uh, 1954 novel. And it's funny because I think a lot of people associate that movie as being a zombie movie because yeah, of, uh, it, the way that like, in the, my
1: mind, the, it's the plague, more
0: like it works, but they are specifically vampires. And I think maybe that was just the, the adaptation of novel to film translated in kind of a different way, um, but they are yeah vampires in that book um and he spends like there's a, a survivor basically spending his days hunting vampires scavenging and struggling with loneliness um and yeah and being taunt taunted by the undead vampires that keep swarming outside his house I mean obviously the the film had to do different things but it's um pretty um, big novel as well all right shall we jump into movies sure thing okay um I watched a few movies specifically for this, but there's also a ton of movies uh, that I know and love uh, that I'd love to reference as well. Um, The first movie that I watched uh, for this is uh, only lovers left alive, which is the Jim Jarmusch uh, film. It features um, Tilda Swinton and Tom Hiddleston as two um, very old vampires who have existed for hundreds of years, but there it's, it's, It is a drama, but they're basically, there's some humor to it as well. Um, Basically Tom Hiddleston lives in Detroit and like is really into music and Tilda Swinton's been living in Europe and like she comes to take care of him because he's um, basically depressed and like they think he's gonna like commit suicide with a wooden bullet and so she comes to stay with him. But um, she's also got a sister um, which is um, Mio Wachowski who's also in some other stuff um, that's like kind of spooky like anyway uh, but there's a bunch of them and it's interesting that in this film blood isn't just like something that they enjoy drinking it's almost treated as like a real like hit of a drug like they drink it and they get like oh, immense okay. pleasure and kind of get knocked out like they've done heroin or something like it's kind of like if you merge train spotting with <laughs> vampires um, but it's a really kind of Beautiful character study of these vampires who like need each other to get through life. Um, if you're into kind of like a uh, fun story between those two actors, it's like a bit of a indie film, I guess. Um, the other one that I'd wanted to watch for a very long time, and it's funny because I actually read this as a play before I saw it as a movie is, because um, it was also a book, it's called Let the Right One In. Um, which is a Swedish vampire story about uh, basically 12 year olds. There's a 12 year old boy named Oscar who makes friends with a 12 year old. uh, Well, you believe originally to be a girl um, named uh, Ellie. And um, they meet like on the playgrounds in the middle of the snow. And like, it's revealed fairly quickly that there's like a killer on the loose who is taking blood and like basically getting blood for this 12 year old and they kind of have like a sweet love story in a way on top of this really messed up uh vampire need for like this 12 year old ellie like they have a protector that's going around murdering people basically just to keep her alive um and it's really good. There is a play as well, um, which was adapted by Jack Thorne, who's the same person who wrote the Harry Potter um, play that is out and is very popular um, right now. Um, but he's done a lot of adaptations too. So I recommend the play and I recommend the movie a lot. There was a, a remake um, that was done, I think, a year like two years later in the States called Let Me In. Um, but I think the original one is better. Um, yeah, and it is like very much a drama, but it's just sweet because it's between a 12-year-old and a 12-year-old that's been 12 for 200 years um, in a weird way.
1: Like Casper.
0: Um. Yeah, I don't know if it hit the same demographic. Oh, a little less murder. There is just like some really beautiful, like of all the films I would say that I watched, this is the best executed film of all of them. Like it's a really good movie if you haven't seen it and you're into film you should definitely check it out and put it up on your list um because it is both brutal and sweet like you go from like drastic like beheadings or like the 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 way that they do it is just very logical to what a vampire would do and because this it it also deals with like the 12 year old boy oscar is constantly getting bullied by all these kids and in the same way that like carrie ends with a reversal of all those things there is a point where you keep going like you got these bullies got to stop picking on this kid because they have no idea like what the wrath of this thing is that, that they could experience um and it kind of like there's a certain tension that's built up there and it's like a very satisfying end which takes place in a pool um which i will not spoil what happens but it's a good sequence um yeah I don't know, there's some other films that are pretty well-known. Uh, Nosferatu, which is basically a universally revered knockoff of Dracula <laughs> um, that uh, apparently they they wanted to do Dracula, but they couldn't get the rights to it. So they just called it Nosferatu, but they got sued anyway. So all the creators of Nosferatu lost all their money and the film was almost lost, but people loved it so much that it has uh, stood the test of time. Um, and I've seen it many times, usually around Halloween or like on a projector with no sound. It's just like a very popular look. Um, I watched um, uh, like Coppola's Dracula movie, which was great. I don't know if you've seen that, Madge, but it's an insanely. Stacked I saw it cast. like a
1: million years ago. Yeah, it's like Keanu Reeves and Winona Ryder and Gary Oldman. And, uh-huh. Yeah, it's all just of like- the
0: performances were really good. I think I assumed that it would be really melodramatic, and I actually found that it wasn't melodramatic so much that it was like a full-blown gothic romance monster movie like it is mm-hmm. what I wanted it to be is really beautifully shot like I think really well thought out and executed but it's it's not a naturalist movie like it, it's not grounded in that way but I didn't really want it to be I wanted it to be kind of more like unhinged um it's not Keanu Reeves' best movie, uh, let's say. It doesn't hit the sweet spot for him. Um, but Gary Oldman's amazing in it. Like, And Anthony Hopkins is in it as well. Um, I was just like shocked by, I don't know, how filmic it was and how exciting it was actually start to finish. And I kind of went into it thinking it wasn't going to be great and I enjoyed it a lot more than I thought I would. But if you're looking for a bunch of performances by like kind of A list actors playing in a very gothic sandbox, I would recommend checking it out. Um, Now,
1: if you would like to see a movie with a bunch of D list characters in space, D list actors in space, but also vampires, (laughs) have I got a movie for you?
0: What is it? Do tell.
1: (laughs) It's called Dracula 3000.
0: I have not seen Dracula 3000.
1: I legit actually enjoy this movie there's right. there's a no small part of me that enjoys purposely bad schlocky movies and mm-hmm. this one hits all those notes so in the year 3000 a salvage ship happens mm-hmm. upon this derelict transport called the demeter the captain of the tr- of the salvage ship is played by casper van dean mm-hmm. uh his name is van helsing okay <laughs> <laughs> so they go and they board the ship and that is when they find the corpse of the captain from the uh, uh, from the demeter and he's clutching a crucifix. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then of course the new intern Mina, uh. whose name is Mina Harker, mm-hmm. uh, doesn't want to do this. The captain says, no, we have salvage rights and they decide they're going to tow the ship back to Earth. And so as they prepare to return, suddenly their ship is detached. Uh, and they are stuck there in space and have no way of getting home. So then, oh, also Coolio is in it.
0: Why? Why not? Yeah, <laughs> that's Fair enough.
1: So as, he as and another guy. As himself
0: or as a character?
1: No, no. He plays a, a cargo specialist named 187. Okay. No other name, just 187. Uh, he and another guy find um, a cargo bay full of coffins. Mm-hmm. And of course he is mysteriously attacked and turned into a vampire. So then he um <laughs> then one of the other characters runs into the master who is a vampire named Count Orlock, who's for those of you who are paying attention, is the name of the character from Nosferatu.
0: Mm-hmm. So they really uh, and essentially just, they go through all the the tropes. They just all, make sure everything just everyone, is, everyone is
1: named after every other vampire character that came to mind. Um, it turns out that one of them is actually uh, an undercover Android cop. She's not actually human. Mm-hmm. Uh, by the end of it, basically, everyone dies except for the Android cop and the one of the other guys who had found the the coffins. And so they set their sh- the ship on a course to plunge into the nearby sun mm-hmm. because of course, vampires.
0: Yeah, that don't help.
1: Mean, and so it is heavily implied that they, knowing that they're going to die, they spend their last few minutes together having sex, despite <laughs> the fact that half an hour ago they like totally hated each other. But my and my favorite part of this movie is that all of the characters keep talking about like uh, about how stealthy the vampire is and how oh you know we, when we, we they just keep like running into him mysteriously and they never expect him, except that the way that he has been costumed includes a very heavy pair of combat boots. (laughs) And most of the set is metal catwalks because of course it's a spaceship in the year 3000. So he literally spends like a good half of the movie tromping around as absolutely loud as possible. Mm. And there are all these really stylized shots of his feet tromping around on on these catwalks. And he he chooses not
0: to float? Like there's no floating ability? Apparently
1: there's no floating when you are a space vampire. Mm. And then of course this, this, this just sums up how wonderfully schlocky this movie is the tagline for it is in space there is no daylight <laughs> to which of course yeah. i always countered with all of space is daylight
0: yeah <laughs> does, any, does anybody say that they've they've traveled through oceans of time to find them oh um, the you classic, know it's been uh, a
1: minute since i've seen it so i don't think i don't think so but that's you know, the classic
0: gary oldman line from the, i just stoker's dracula um, oh, it's
1: just so bad, it's good. Which apparently
0: Gary Oldman said that he literally was like, well, the movie was fine, but I got to say I traveled through oceans of time to find you. And apparently he says that, like, that's why I did it, and it was worth it. And I respect that. <laughs> um, okay, and now I'm just going to take a couple of minutes here to gush about how much I love Guillermo del Toro and his whole history of vampires throughout all time. Um, I think he has the most interesting, like, vampire lore. And it's very cool to see the way that vampires have, like, progressed through what he's done. You can kind of follow it through different things. Um, so the first film that he ever did, which like, his debut film, was called Kronos. And basically, an old antique dealer and his gro- granddaughter, Aurora, find a 250-year-old mechanical device, like, that's shaped like a scarab. And basically, the scarab kind of, like, pinches them and bites them. And you realize that it must have contained, I think, some sort of, like, vampiric blood, Um And at the same time, there's like a dying businessman that sends uh, Ron Perlman to claim the device for themselves. So there's this old man and his daughter running from Ron Perlman. And it's all of this like uh, scarab Mm -hmm. vampire lore, Um, which actually in the same way that it was for Only Lovers Left Alive, like he's very much addicted to the scarab, but you can tell that his body as it goes on, he is old, like he was probably going to die soon anyway, but this is like revitalizing his his energy. And so you see that he's like been thinking about doing vampires right away. Um, and you can like Guillermo del Toro has all these amazing um, images and sketches of the way that his vampires progress and you can literally look at them over 20 years. Um, but uh, the, the first time that you see his vampires, like the way that he's imagined them, I think, not just the lore, which is uh, done in Kronos, which I recommend people watch, was in Blade 2 um because he directed Blade 2 and I think the Blade oh, I franchise why is very didn't I cool. know that? I, I love yeah, Blade. No Blade 2 was directed by Guillermo del Toro um and it's funny that apparently the reason he did it is his agent called them and like he was like hey do you want to do Blade 2? He's like no I don't really want to do Blade 2. He's like well if you want to do Hellboy you have to do Blade 2. He's like all right on, <laughs> I guess I'll do Blade 2 and so he did and then he got to do Hellboy afterwards because they needed to see that the guy who made Kronos and like devil's backbone could do an action could
1: handle like a comic based action movie but also horror based yeah He
0: basically said to the like producers like i'm like a very uncool guy like i don't know how to make blade cool and they're like no no just do the thing that you're gonna do um and you'll do a great job with it but apparently he was like so Wesley Snipes he was like you do whatever you want I'm going to go talk to the actor who's a vampire and do like a very detailed note session you be cool I guess um <laughs> just because he like didn't know how, like the vocabulary of how to do that in the movie I'm, yeah, sure, that, I'm sure I'm sure I'd, that I'm
1: sure I lack the vocabulary to talk to Wesley Snipes about being cool so yeah, but, I, I hear that I hear but, that. like
0: the the, the Blade 2 is, I think, the best one in all of them, although I think the first yeah. one has, has the blood rave, which is its own fun little gothic uh, s- s- sequence. But the he invented the design for the Reapers, which are the, like, stronger vampires whose, like, jaw floats down and then splits in two, and they've got the long tongue that comes yeah, forward. Yeah, 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 okay. And they, like, hang upside down and and basically he said, as the movie goes on, you realize that the vampires are stronger and stronger than you think they are. Like they kind of reveal themselves to you. Uh, they are currently, uh, on my t-shirt, which no one can see because this is a podcast. Um, I can see it. It's great. It's real. Um, yeah. And, and that same idea of the vampire went into the books that, Guillermo del Toro did, which was The Strain, like the graphic novel, which then also became the TV show for The Strain, and you see right. th- the that image of the vampire evolve again into this kind of like elderly society of like wealthy elite trying to drink the blood uh, and to stay alive, but also this, the, that same kind of reaper style vampire exists. Um, which are kind of brutal and powerful and disgusting in a way that is not particularly suave. You know, he had his own kind of monstrous take on the vampires, which is my favorite version of Vamp- vampires on uh, film and TV. Anyway, that is the history of GDT and vampires. Uh, long may it rain, and I hope to see part four of it sometime soon. <laughs> um, I would rather watch all of those again than watch Morbius, which I have not watched and probably will not until Spider-Man is also in the movie. (laughs) Um, I hear that. I have a bunch of, I'm just going to pop out a bunch of movies because I could talk here forever but there's two Scooby-Doo movies about vampires. There's a movie called From Dusk Till Dawn, which um, is one of the early Tarantino movies. There's a franchise called Hotel Transylvania for the kids out there. There's Count Von Count from Sesame Street. And, uh, and most importantly, uh, there is a very funny uh, movie that also became a television show on FX called What We Do in the Shadows, which is amazing. Love movie. Uh, The TV show films in Toronto. Um, Feel free, anyone, give me a call. Uh, But uh, that movie is awesome. It was like one of the funniest, I don't know, genre. It's never
1: not funny. Like you can watch it a million times and things that you laughed at before you will continue to laugh at. There are other things that you don't notice that you finally do realize you see and are absolutely hilarious. I will
0: never get the image of Taika Waititi standing in front of a mirror and saying, ooh a ghost oh, yeah. cup out of my head just a floating cup um
1: and i think what really makes at least the because i'll be honest i haven't seen the show yet but uh, the movie what really makes the movie work for me is that just the absolute 100 whole-bodied commitment everybody has it's to so everything that's
0: going on and it's so grounded in like there is no reverence to them at all like to you know, in opposition with some yeah. of the other movies that we have like they they have they're clearly like lovers of genre stuff they know all the tropes many of their characters are anchored into like one is definitely Vlad the impaler one is like they, they're playing with all these different vampires throughout history but they're just a bunch of roommates dealing with problems, but and i think that that's like, what it is right human like human element in- of it
1: like, well, like I just said, like, there's no way that I would be able to talk to Wesley Snipes about being cool. So, like, were I to become a vampire, I wouldn't, I don't think it would suddenly entirely overhaul my whole personality and I would could suddenly become this super sexy, suave, debonair person. Like, mm-hmm. I would still just be kind of weird and awkward and just want to talk about Star Wars all the time, but mm-hmm. also I'm undead. So, that's, I think that that's part of the reason why people love what we do in the shadows so much. It would be like, oh, if I was a vampire.
0: Exactly,
1: I would kind of be like that. It's
0: like people arguing about uh, not cleaning, like cleaning like, up after
1: yourselves, like roommate or, stuff, or yeah. like when you,
0: you have to put out the newspaper before you do your kill, otherwise you can get blood all over everything. There's like or great, like
1: running into your ex at a party. Like who doesn't have that story? There's know? a great
0: <laughs> sequence. I won't say how it ends, but there's a, a vampire called Peter, and Peter is basically Nosferatu. Where like Peter comes to visit in an old coffin in the basement, but they're all definitely like uh it's this is very much the case in the tv show In the tv show they were sent to staten island to take over staten island hundreds of years ago and then they follow up and they haven't done any taking over at all they've just been in the neighborhood and i think in the film i'm not sure if it's quite as extreme but like peter is checking up on them and they're like oh we haven't done much they've just been staying in this house and um i don't know it's the human element that makes it both so funny and like so relatable i mean yeah taika waititi is always so good at at making you empathize with people that you wouldn't ordinarily empathize with, like those kind of coming of age stories in a way. But yeah, that movie is so funny. Just like laugh out loud, really, really funny. Um, All right, Madryn, that is my abridged version of movies. I don't have too many things to say for games. Obviously the Castlevania franchise is huge for vampires. Uh, Count Dracula is a major character in them long running. That's the first one that comes up. Uh, but I will say that, and I was thinking about you, cause I remember you played Elder Scrolls, uh, Oblivion, and I think Skyrim, mm-hmm. I played that game a lot up until the point that I became afflicted with porphyric hemophilia, which means that you're a vampire. You become con- a vampire. It confused me so much and annoyed me that I stopped playing. Like it was, I don't know, it was like 15. Oh, there's something have- to cure it. Yeah, but I did not know that. I, I, I like I had wandered into like thinking it was a side quest. I had wandered into some cult and then like woke up and I kept just dying and that and I couldn't figure out why I kept dying and I couldn't find any explanations to what was happening. And I just stopped playing the game. Yeah, that part was um, really
1: yeah, that that's the thing. So like it it grants you uh increased health, increased strength, like it increases a lot of your stats. But yeah, the whole like the, the annoying part was that you couldn't do any traveling in the daytime, and yes. then of course, like in in the elder scrolls games you find like waypoints or way shrines like whatever it is that they want to call them at the time that like so you can fast travel between points. And Mm -hmm. so you're like, oh, I'm working on this quest. I'm just going to fast travel over to this place to continue this quest. And then you would end up fast traveling to a place and 12 hours would pass and it would be daytime. And all of a sudden you're like, oh, crap. Like, I'm being being burned. I think
0: it wouldn't be a problem now because I've played more of those kind of massive world games. And I know that there is a solution to that problem. But I think it was the first kind of massive world game that I had played. And I was just like, I I have no idea what to do about this. I don't know where to go and I think it was before like I don't know I there was like tutorials that you could find online I remember finding them for Zelda but you'd have to print out like 150 pages of like weird print and I don't think I found the solution to my problem anyway maybe I gotta go yeah back I mean I, I
1: think I kept my vampirism for quite for a bit yeah because it the boost to your to your health stats and that sort of thing was so good mm-hmm. um but yeah you're right like if you wanted to do the, the the thing about elder scrolls that makes it so fantastic is just how great the story writing is and interacting with other people and so after a while it was like ah crap these people won't talk to me because i'm a vampire like ah, crap i can't go finish this quest because i can't walk around in the daytime so yeah i got really annoying and i had to go and cure my vampirism
0: yes yeah. it's fun but it does get annoying Um, I will say a game that I played more recently, I think I've talked about this on the podcast before, is uh, Witcher 3 Wild Hunt. There is a great DLC called Blood and Wine that's super fun um, that would uh, hit uh, your vampiric need if you're looking for it. That game has a lot of hours you can burn and it is also very satisfying. So uh, it was a good pandemic play for me, but I would recommend it outside of that for sure. Um, There's also a game called Vampire, like with a Y. Um, about a vampire yes. who's a surgeon in post World War I London uh, during an influenza outbreak. Those are the kind of major vampire games that I could play. My
1: my hubby played that game, and yeah. I look, I watched over his shoulder for quite a bit of it. It is the most melodramatic game I have ever seen in my life yeah. and we got about a third of the way through and I was like seriously who wrote this die because it would be things like so the guy wakes up and he realized like he's starting to vampire stuff starts happening to mm-hmm. his body right and the dialogue is things like it's like I am a newborn babe learning to walk for the first time and that is how he talks all the time and after about mm-hmm. he played about a third of the game I was like seriously who wrote this game this dialogue is insane apparently it was a French game first and then they translated it and I was like, I Oh, okay. This makes a little bit more sense. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah it but it is, yeah, it is the
1: most mellow dramatic, like, and I even think the it's way it's for
0: that reason too, like I've seen it, even like, the way it's discounted. rendered,
1: like people manage to find ways to stand in front of fireplaces really dramatically as they monologue throughout the, like characters do this throughout the game. And it's just like, what, who acts like this? This is great. It's yeah. It's, It was funny to watch. over. Like, I don't think I would have the patience for it for me to play the whole game myself, but it was kind of funny to watch over his shoulder.
0: But if you're into uh, melodramatic vampire uh, modern games, I think that is just the game for for you. Uh, I've heard it's super satisfying. It's like love-hate for that reason. Um, Yes. Any other games before we dive into music and uh, wrap up our pop culture, Madryn?
1: Oh, well, we haven't talked about television very well. I mean, we did talk about what we do in the shadows. So if we're not going to talk too much about TV, I am going to have to bring up, of course, the quintessential Buffy the Vampire Slayer. Indeed. And its spin-off Angel.
0: Yeah. If anybody at home was like, hmm, vampires, this will be a nice brief episode. Nope. Nope. <laughs> uh, we're back in uh, dragons territory, people. It's,
1: right, <laughs> no well i absolutely love buffy and actually for a lot of reasons i like angel even more i think than buffy just it, it was such a great depiction of you know the the whole idea of it was that high school is hell mm-hmm. <laughs> and and for buffy that means literally right um and just like so many really great, well-rounded characters. And I think that they did—they do such a great job of towing that line between comedy and the melodrama of it. Um, and really honing that kind of like Whedon-esque thing of like, oh, something really funny happens. And then all of a sudden somebody gets a stake in the heart kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Like very uh, Wash-esque kind of things, right? Like I remember the episode, The Body was just absolutely devastating Mm -hmm. for for those kinds of reasons, right? Like Buffy comes home and she's in such a great mood and then she turns around and her mom has died and it's just like, uh, and it just sucks all the the air out of you. It's fantastic. But then of course these big, epic, huge battle fights as their season finales and Buffy dies twice and Mm -hmm. there's a musical
0: episode. Well, that's the thing. I didn't have time to, uh, I wanted to fit into my movie marathon, but I couldn't like the original Buffy too. And I just think like Buffy the Vampire Slayer. I've seen a bunch of the TV show. I haven't seen all of it, but it was always fun. Like it, it was grounded in characters that you cared about, which is always the way like a good sitcom yeah. or a good television show works. But they were clearly um, enjoying playing with all these different things and really having being bold enough to do like a musical episode. Or wasn't there a puppet episode? That I'm was excited. Angel. Oh, but yes. Angel. Yeah. But well, just, like- sorry.
1: There was there was a pu- there was an episode of Buffy where. A puppet is possessed uh, by by something. kind of like in a Chucky, like Chucky kind style. of way, but, but there again, is an episode fun, of Fun Danger. Yeah, but there is an episode of Angel where Angel mm-hmm. is turned into a very Muppet style puppet. It's very funny.
0: That's funny. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. What uh, of our of our nine types of um, vampire uh, archetype? I think we would definitely have the um, the high school heartthrob right in there some emotionally unavailable hunks emotionally
1: unavailable hunk would definitely hit that thing because the the whole thing about with Buffy and Angel is that Angel is supposed to be like 200 years old Mm. and he he's at the time I want to say David Boreanaz was like in his late 20s maybe early 30s Mm. so it was like kind of an inappropriate relationship to begin Uh, with a
0: seductive sinner perhaps
1: yeah. But of course, but he had a soul. And I think that uh, th- this was something actually I was thinking about when we were talking about the history is um, Buffy really, really established that for their vampires, the lack of a soul is the thing that made vampires
0: a monster. evil,
1: Right. Yeah. yeah. So that, that was Angel's whole thing was that he had been re-endowed with his soul and so then he felt all of this tremendous guilt over all of the things that he had done as Angelus his vampire Mm -hmm. persona and so spent decades trying to atone for all of those things and that's why ultimately he ended up leaving Sunnydale and leaving Buffy because he knew that he could never actually give her any kind of quality of life as a boyfriend because you know it's you know he was like 15 years older than her Mm -hmm. Oh. physically and <laughs> like 200 years old, but you know here he was this tortured soul
2: mm-hmm.
1: and then it becomes yeah. very important later in the series spike who is a vampire has no soul but actually legitimately falls in love with buffy and so in an effort to try to prove himself to her he goes and purposely gets himself his soul back mm. which is just this absolutely incredible gesture because in the vampire world everyone's like why in the hell would you like they they see having their soul back as a curse Mm -hmm. and so it was the very the it was the ultimate almost sacrifice to get Mm -hmm. his soul back to prove himself to Buffy cool yeah um
0: any other tv before I dive into music no, I mean we can that that clearly is is the the highlight of TV. I was like that, I mean, that is Buffy the quintessential. Identical. I remember as a we don't need to
1: talk about Vampire Diaries. Brat. I
0: mean, I do remember like my babysitter playing that, and I was like, this is scary because <laughs> you could just hear it and not <laughs> see it. And as an adult, I was like, this is great, but when you're a child, you're like, those are scary noises for vampire things. Um, yes. There's a few songs that popped out to me. Um, the first being Dracula's Wedding by Andre Oh, I was just going to say,
2: yeah, from I love that song. <laughs>
0: it's awesome, really fun music. Um, there's a song called We Suck Young Blood by Radiohead. Um, mm-hmm. Blue Oyster Cult has a song called Nosferatu. Uh, Tyler, the Creator, has a song called Transylvania. And uh, the last musical anecdote I have is that the, the name of the band um, Vampire Weekend comes from um, the front man uh, had like a college film project um, wherein a man named Walcott has to warn the mayor of Cape Cod of a vampire invasion that will probably happen on the weekend. And they're like, it could happen on Friday or Saturday. And so they called their band Vampire Weekend because of this weird film that they had made in college. And I think that is great because it's a good band name. And I like that it came from a weird movie. Um, That's my music, last call for music. I'll give you one little anecdote, and then we gotta we gotta get to our guest who has patiently been waiting for us to dig in through this. Well, he's got all eternity. That's true. Yeah, he's been waiting. What's another you know hour? Uh,
1: Well, I was thinking about um, the Neil Young song. Was it called Vampires Blues? Oh yeah. So of course. He's talking in true Neil Young fashion. The song is actually about how capitalism is terrible and it's sucking all the life out of everybody and that they're losing their humanity. But, you know, Mm -hmm. he equates it through vampirism. Yeah, that'll do it. That'll do. Uh I mean, I mean, that that was um, I remember when I was a teenager, Bullet with Butterfly Wings was such a huge song for um, Smashing Pumpkins. Mm -hmm and basically like almost every Smashing Pumpkins song, the song is about Billy Corgan's existential angst. (laughs) Um, But it opens with the line, the world is a vampire sent to drain, which is like just such a great opening line of a song.
0: So Um, my last, you know, all
1: of these, all these musicians want to talk about how capitalism and the government and all the people in charge are just sucking the life out of you.
0: Well, it's another opportunity for monsters to be an abstract thing for musicians to, um, you know, yeah. dig into and play with it. The metaphor works and they work in their own right as a monster. Uh, the last anecdote that I'll have, which is also a petition um, that you can just uh, emotionally agree to, um, which is that uh, Count Chocula is a delicious and hilarious cereal <laughs> and it's impossible to find other than um, being seasonally available. I, like, I just did a show and there's a box of Count Chocula and I could not find it anywhere because I did not realize it was only available around Halloween. And so it was very difficult. So if you're out there, um, the creators of Count Chocula, I would like you to know that I would like Count Chocula year round, not just in October, but at any time, I want it in the middle of the summer, uh, on a whim, I want to be able to go get some real Count Chocula. And on that note, uh, we're going to take a break. When we get back, we're going to be joined by Eddie the Clown, um, who is our guest. I'm not sure if they are a clown or they describe themselves as a clown or they're just clowning around. But Eddie will be with us and we're going to find out the real scoop on vampires. All right, welcome back to Monstrology. Uh, we're at our third and favorite segment of the show where we get to make, meet a real live monster. And today our monster is a vampire. And I, I thought that they were with us, but it looks like I, I'm not no, sure. No, I can't really see them. No, I'm not. I don't know what's going on here. I,
1: Eddie, I are you there?
0: Eddie? Hi,
3: I, I'm here. I'm just outside, outside the booth. You're well, outside the booth. Why? no one's invited me in yet
0: oh i'm so sorry yeah um
1: well does it count if we do it can we do it like even though we're not in the booth
0: um i I mean it's your booth so i think we can well you're you're welcome to come into the booth and uh you're welcome to um you know to discipline the interns for for not letting you in i mean they did a great job setting you up but they they should have had the thought
1: they should have um, invited you they should 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 have have invited
0: you you know it was in your rider. It's in the rider. It's very clear. Um, so Stacey. Number one item on my rider. Stacey, I can't if you're come out into there. the room
3: without um, an invitation.
0: Yeah, maybe next time, Stacy. If, if there is a next time, uh, make sure that you you invite them in. Um, so, uh, Eddie. Uh, yeah, that's me. Yeah, it's so nice to, uh, to finally have a chance to, uh, to meet you and, and to get to know you. Thanks so much for joining us on, on Monstrology. Um, somebody said that your name was Eddie the Clown. Um, Yeah, yeah, that's
3: right. For the last few decades, I've been going by uh, Eddie the Clown.
0: Okay. And I would have thought that you'd be known as, I mean, I guess maybe you don't want people to know that you're a vampire. Where does that come from, Eddie?
3: Yeah, well, you know, since like the 1980s, I've been uh, a birthday clown. Oh! I perform at kids' parties. I'm trying to rehabilitate my image. Uh, You know, vampires are, are known as these like dark, brooding evil monsters and you know i just want to change that image in people's minds and you know that's one part of the reason i'm i'm here today that i think it's important that people see that vampires can be more than just vampires we can be fun too
0: okay okay now just for clarity um do you um still still suck the blood of the living like do you still hunt or uh, have you um, modernized? You know, I saw some films um, where, where somebody will get a blood bag from the hospital, for example, um, or you know, may, maybe maybe can feed off the the blood of animals, but there's there's still something thrilling to the hunt. So I'm just curious, what kind of um, land of the spectrum you fall on there?
3: Well, I'm I'm really trying to cut down on my live feeding, but mm. so you know, I I go to blood banks and I, I beg and borrow to get blood that way there's just the odd time though i can't help my instincts though and they just take over you know you see a delicious neck and you just can't help but chomp on it
0: yeah now i do have a follow-up question here which is if you're spending a lot of time at children's birthday parties yeah if you get really snacky i feel like that could be particularly bad for your image you know, eating a whole herd of children at a birthday party. Well, I always
3: stay to... away from the children. That you know, that can do horrible things. Uh, when you're trying to run a business of uh, being a birthday clown, having yeah. one one kid murder on your hands just yeah. ruins your business.
0: I think that yeah, would I really that. that would really drop the Yelp score for sure. Yeah, yeah exactly.
3: Have you ever have
1: you ever fed on a kid? Like, do they taste different than adults?
3: Uh, I did once, like in the in the 13th century, and and I just thought, like I felt so bad about it after that. I just swore, I swore I would never do it again. Now, oh,
1: well, that's kind of you. It,
3: the it's odd like- time, though, I can't help at the birthday party. You know, there's there's one of the cougars at the back, and you know they're you know always so willing mm. to mm. just let me have a little bite. Mm-hmm.
1: Well, you know, if they're willing, that means it's consensual. I, I yeah, don't yeah. really see any anything wrong with that.
3: See, again, I try not to to hunt. I don't want to, I don't want to go against anyone's will. I don't want to like be overbearing. I, 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 I'm a polite vampire.
0: Yeah, fair. Yeah, well, you know, there's some people that are just lining up for the opportunity to meet a to a suave vampire. Uh, now, you said that. The the last time you ate a child was in the 13th century. Um, now yeah, you that's you right. you look quite young, which is I'm sure a testament to um your your existence as a vampire. But uh, do you mind disclosing your age to us, just so we get a sense of maybe how long um the typical yeah. vampire lives for?
3: Yeah, I don't I don't mind talking about that. I'm uh, I'm a millennial actually, uh, which is oh. why I look so young. I was uh-huh. Born in in 989. Wow. Yeah. Whoa. Um, I mean, so, you don't
1: look a day over 500
3: mm-hmm. Oh, I think that's so sweet of you to say Thank you <laughs> uh, I, Yeah, I was born uh, in England actually Around the times of the Viking invasions Wow so it, it was not a fun time I gotta mm-hmm. say that, you know the, the whole next century after that was just brutal and bloody and uh-huh.
2: when, I, when
3: I first became a vampire I was actually overcome with these like vampire hormones And this bloodlust that I just couldn't control And uh-huh. I killed a lot of people but I feel like, like so many. Th- oh,
1: know. like how many?
3: Oh, I, thousands at least. Whoa. Like sometimes I would kill them, not even to eat just for fun. Yeah, But, like, was, but, you,
1: but you snuck it in during all of the, the
3: Viking pillaging. Well, the, the great thing about that century is, I mean, I mean, for a vampire, you could go decimate a whole town. The next town over would think it's the Vikings. Gotcha. Right.
0: Well, and there's no internet, right? Internet definitely has made your life more difficult here. It's a big, big pivot because, you know, one killing, one accidental killing, and it's going to be all over. It's all
1: over Instagram.
0: Yeah. Oh, exactly. exactly. Yeah. Um, On that topic we we were talking about uh, earlier on in the podcast, Madeline and I were discussing... Um, some vampires that seem to maybe be vampires, their history. I'm wondering if we can just put yeah. this, uh, put this to you, can tell us whether they were in fact a vampire or whether this is a bunch of nonsense. So let's do it one at a time. Yeah, um, absolutely. So Vlad the, Vlad III, oh, the Third. Oh, you mean Larry? Vlad, yeah. Oh, Larry, Larry. Larry. Yeah,
3: yeah. So there's this thing about vampires. We we kind of change our name over time because, you know, uh-huh. humans get really suspicious when you're 200 years old and you're still you, uh-huh.
2: you know.
3: So we, every so often we move, we change our name. Uh, you know, it's, 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 it's why I, I go by Eddie now and I have ah. this, this North American accent. Since I've moved here, I got to adapt and blend in mm-hmm. with the locals. Uh, originally my name was, uh, Alehelm. Oh yeah. Yeah. Ailhelm, yeah. Yeah. So, uh, but now I go by Eddie and, you know, we yeah. try to blend in. So Larry actually, uh, uh, you, you used to go by Vlad. He's—he's he's now. You, you might actually have heard of him. He's uh, Larry the Cable Guy.
0: Oh, oh, is that where yeah. that came from too? Wow. Uh, yeah, that, yeah, yeah, that's yeah. It's like two very distinct legacies, I suppose. One as a um, impaler, and another as a beloved uh, character in in film. Yeah, brutal. Know,
1: just... Yeah, brutal conqueror, lovable uh, blue collar comic.
0: Exactly. Yeah. He
3: wanted to get away from that aristocratic, like, Oh, I'm better than you. I'm more powerful and just kind of be a blue collar comedian that hmm. can like be beloved by the people.
0: Okay. So we can, we can mark uh Vlad the third, Larry off the list. Uh, what about Dracula? Was there a Dracula? Uh,
3: now Dracula uh, that's, that's kind of a funny story. Uh, uh, Dracula is kind of a, a myth that, like, we all kind of co created just to like whisper to humans and kind of laugh oh. about the ridiculous things that like, an, they, like, like anonymous, you know, yeah yeah, 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 yeah.
0: You needed a yeah. Dracula in the, in, the, in, the, in the shadows, you know, yeah, exactly, just to mess with them, okay, yeah, okay. So, yeah. There's a we collective... kind of leaked that
3: information out so people knew we were out there and we could kind of laugh,
0: uh huh, that's funny. And you can always blame it on Dracula, I guess. It's, yeah, uh, it's exactly. small town crime just becomes, um, yeah. you know. It, it kind of something. backfired
3: on us, though. It created this kind of hysteria around, like, fear of vampires.
0: Yeah, I do have to say, Dracula is the most popular vampire, so without Dracula, I probably wouldn't even know the vampires exist at all. Yeah, um, yeah, but yeah. I hope it was worth the laugh. Um, yeah. and, and the last one I had on this list was uh, Elizabeth Bathory, the the mass murderer who, who bathed in blood. Now, yeah. was that a vampire? Was she just kind of like a weirdo?
3: Yeah, no, she was definitely a vampire. Her and ah. I actually uh, uh, we dated for a little.
0: Oh, yeah. did you share a, a bloodbath or two?
3: Yeah, oh, one or two, uh, oh. you, know. But, That's uh, blood, yeah. you know. Oh, a lot of blood. Yeah, oh, so much blood. That was like one of the most decadent times uh, wow. in my life, I think. Yeah, it didn't yeah. last long. It was fiery. It burned out, and you know, had a bad falling out.
0: Well, I think uh, she oh. had a particular bloodlust and, and proclivity for violence, so. I think yeah, you were probably yeah. right to, to get out of that relationship. It's no, a lot as it for me was. to handle. Yeah. 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 You seem like a more easygoing guy. I mean, I guess you had your murdery phase, right? Yeah. But, yeah, uh, yeah. Well, you,
3: she was a young vampire at that time, you know, and then, you know, for the first few centuries after becoming a vampire, those are like, you're just filled with all this vampire rage.
0: Uh-huh. And then it just kind of, you, you get bored of that and move on to something else? <sighs> Mellow out as you get a
3: little bit past your angsty phase.
0: So I guess, uh, would you describe that as your um, great love or you, have you had any other great loves? It seems like a lot of vampires living for so long have at least one, sometimes many uh, beautiful love stories. Yeah, yeah, well actually shortly
3: after uh, uh, Elizabeth and I I dated, we, I, I met Anne.
0: Okay. And,
3: and we we spent uh, centuries together actually, wow. uh, hmm. Anne Hathaway.
0: Oh, yeah, Anne Hathaway. Yeah. Yeah, like
3: Shakespeare's
1: started... wife or the actress who who was in, in Ella enchanted
3: uh well both actually It's oh. the same Anne. Uh, oh, yeah oh. She... oh
1: so she's gone that long without changing her name then
3: yeah yeah well actually
1: it's a recycled
3: too, name you know so there were a few hundred years where she went by a few other names and then she thought you know oh. what it's been but it's long one enough that
1: she like she really that. That. likes yeah, yeah, exactly no, I get yeah, that it's a I nice name yeah.
3: Yeah. yeah so no yeah we dated in the in the 1500s actually. Wow. Um, and funny enough, as uh, you mentioned that she was Shakespeare's wife, uh, Shakespeare is another one of those vampire in-jokes that we had. Oh, like yeah, so Shakespeare
1: so, was a vampire?
3: So Shakespeare was actually, again, a collection of us kind of got together and wrote all these plays based on our, our experiences oh. and our lives and all, these, all the historical figures that we've met over time. And we wrote all these, these plays and published them under the name william you know, shakespeare
0: that's funny as i saw the movie um uh what was it which one of the movies was it uh only lovers left alive with mm-hmm. tom hiddleston and that was actually a feature of the plot that there was a, a vampire who had been ghostwriting for for shakespeare so oh, i am really i guess so, i guess jim jarmusch had a real like kind of uh inside track on that might have been um, on to us yeah oh um, jim,
1: jim jarmusch kind of gives vampire-y vibes yeah
0: maybe well, he is kind of timeless, and he he has his own kind of ability to do um, I don't know insightful slow burn movies. Maybe there's something to that. Maybe vampires yeah. are really good at the the. I haven't know, met
3: him personally, but it's totally possible.
2: Hmm.
0: Wow, what?
3: Um, so, you know? What? And uh, another one I dated actually, which uh, you know the, the 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 play that I wrote it was uh, Romeo and Juliet.
0: Okay. Oh, yeah. nice. So, that was a good one. That's one of the most. That's the one. Yeah.
2: Good job. Yeah.
3: Everyone Thank
1: loves Mercutio.
3: That one was based on uh, my dating history, actually. So I put myself in the story. I, you know, was Rome, as Romeo. I see. Uh, I actually dated, uh, I dated a. I dated a young werewolf. Oh. oh. A, a, a few hundred years before I wrote that. Now that so, is. So was...
1: a, so a vampire werewolf romance is a forbidden yeah. love.
0: Yeah. Oh, yeah. How very underworld. I, Yes. yes how yeah. very underworld no
3: our uh our families were not cool with that no but we loved each other yeah those four days were the best four days of my thousand year life
1: yeah wow that i mean that is something to say is that if you think four days out of, like, out of a thousand years that must have been something
0: so I'm going to, like, what happened? Now, I know what happens to Romeo and Juliet, but was it exactly like that? Or was there some variance in the real life story here? Um, yeah, I mean, there, it happened some, a lot. Like, stabby stabby? Or what was the deal? Yeah, I mean,
3: I went into a slumber. It was daytime and I was out. You cannot wake me when it is daytime. Uh-huh. So I, when I go to sleep at daytime, I'm out like a rock. She came and tried to wake me up and thought I was
0: dead oh no yeah because you've really trained that not to wake up when you shouldn't it's dangerous
3: so at least back then it was Mm -hmm.
1: so then your werewolf girlfriend stabbed herself thinking you were dead
3: she just stabbed herself i guess it was kind of horrible kind of a some sort of crazy thing to uh, do but
0: yeah well that was it you know, it, maybe werewolves like dogs are fiercely loyal, and they get very sad and lonely. So it must have been a big emotional swing. And yeah, I'm sorry for your loss, but uh, you know, me. I'm glad that you had that moment, that fleeting moment of, of beauty, to get you through the next uh, thousand. Yeah, you know, I think so. that was
3: the point that really changed me.
0: Yeah, that's the one that that took you out of your uh, murdery phase yeah, into yeah. This, this balanced, well-adjusted man that I yeah, that I, I see before so. me. Exactly. Huh. Um. And now we're talking about what I see before me. Um, I had been told, again, this is kind of some uh, you know, movie business, maybe some literature business, that I wasn't going to be able to see you, that you would just be some sort of um, blank entity. But I seem to be able to see you. So I have some questions about this. <clears throat> Do you have the ability to transform Um, I've seen a lot of stuff about, you know, bats and mists and wolves and rats and all sorts of stuff, owls. um, Yeah. Is that how I'm seeing you right now? Because otherwise I would have thought I would just be staring at a void.
3: So mirrors, mirrors, I I do not have a reflection. I cannot see myself Mm -hmm. in a mirror, but it's like a a technology, I guess, the way cameras work, it's uh, it's different. Interesting.
0: Okay, so that's interesting. Yeah, I mean, that would explain... um, you know, how Anne Anne Hathaway has had such a career. I mean, you know, I don't think I've ever seen her in front of a mirror in in a film, so maybe that explains a lot. Um, And even now,
3: there's a solution for that, CGI. you ever ever see her in a mirror, it's CGI.
0: Mm. Oh, that makes sense. There's a lot of
3: vampires in Hollywood. We work together.
1: Yeah. Really? Oh, Oh, ooh, dish, dish. Who else is a vampire in
3: Hollywood? Uh, Actually, um, my uh, vampire father. Okay. One who created me. He didn't give birth to me, right? But, you know, the one who created me. Uh, You might have heard of him. Uh, Nicolas Cage.
0: Oh. Definitely. Yeah. That tracks. Uh, That tracks. He's actually a pretty successful vampire film, too. He did. Vampire vampire Kiss or Vampire's Kiss.
3: Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. That one, uh, yeah, he let some of the secrets out of the bag. Yeah, I feel like he
0: he probably got some flack on that, right? I mean, you can't just go, you know, Putting that out into the world, people are gonna ask questions,
3: but yeah, he so he actually uh turned me into a vampire. I died in a Viking invasion. Uh you know, mm-hmm. as yeah. happens back. As then. happens, and, yeah. Uh he was actually in his cat form. He came and jumped over me.
0: Mm-hmm. Next oh! thing I know,
3: I'm waking up as a vampire.
0: It was the cat jumping. Oh. Yeah, oh, you have the, the most cat- oh, oh, you have the most interesting of the origin stories. It wasn't yeah. a bite, it was the old cat jump. Does yeah, this explain okay. why Nicolas Cage always, always go around like buying up those castles? I thought that was weird that he would be buying castles. Yeah, and, that's true. He owns several castles, doesn't he's he? Always, yes. He's always, spent all his money on things that really made no sense. But if he's a vampire, this tracks a lot Nicolas better. Nicolas
3: Cage is so old. He's been, you know, he's kind of stuck in the past in a lot of ways. Mm-hmm. Sure, sure, and sure. He's, he might, he, he, he's, I don't even know how old he is. He's sure. thousands of years old. He actually uh, was also, um, what a lot of people consider to be the first actor. He used to go uh-huh. by Thespis. Oh. Back in deep. ancient Greece. Okay. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Sure. He yeah. he likes attention. No. So he, you know, sure. back then everyone spoke sure. in a chorus and he decided I'm just gonna take the attention and he stepped out of that chorus.
0: Huh. That's I'm Nick pretty for sure you. that Nicholas Cage is also related to all of the Coppola family. So mm-hmm. are the Coppolas also vampires? Yeah. 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 Well that is. Explains- yeah, not
3: related by blood, just related because he turned.
0: Oh I, see. oh, I see. It's I quite see. the family legacy, both filmically and historically now as vampires. It, I yeah. Honestly, they, they seem to have a leg up for some, you know, sort of reason. They've, I mean, they're good at what they do, but they've got that kind of prestige. And now that I know it's uh, because they're a vampire, that explains a lot of the prestige. And again,
1: too, yeah. they they give off that kind of like odd doesn't really participate in the rest of society vibe. So mm-hmm. I really I totally get the, with the vampire angle there. Yeah, mm-hmm. absolutely. That makes sense that makes sense
0: yeah now, uh, sorry go ahead oh i was just gonna say i just thinking about you know you you live for so long you're part of these kind of innermost uh, circles and societies but one of the things that i've read about um you know developing a special skill is that i think it takes like 2500 hours in a specific skill and then you get really good at it um i've seen some vampires who have a great like musical proficiency or great scientists do you have any sort of really specific skills that you've honed over your your long existence? I mean, I, I think you would end up being a very skilled individual. Well,
3: the thing is, I mean, over the centuries, I've kind of changed. You know, I pivot a lot. Like, you know, I start off as a, a murderous warrior, and then mm-hmm. I decided to try writing for a little bit. And, mm-hmm. and, you know, now I've been spending the last few decades as a, a birthday clown. So I do like to think I'm kind of an expert in that. area. You know, oh, I can try...
0: Well, if one you can of the be the
3: best balloon poodles you've ever seen,
0: wow! Well, I mean, if your balloon poodle is getting to be comparable to the writing that you did as William Shakespeare or the uh, murderous conquests that you did a thousand years ago, that's probably a pretty good poodle.
3: Yeah, um, yeah, I'm pretty proud of it. You know, I'm I'm actually I think it's it's one of my most proudest accomplishments. Uh, you know, <laughs> the play, the plays were okay, but, but I've really been working on this poodle, and I'm passionate about the poodle. The plays were just kind of passing time.
0: Now, yeah, I mean, if your goal is to put a smile in a child's face, murder isn't going to do it. No. The complete works of William Shakespeare is not going to do it. Definitely, but not. the perfect balloon poodle—I mean, that's that's got to do something.
3: Yeah, I can even make a, a my, my I even make my poodles pregnant with so like a little tiny balloon poodle inside.
0: Oh, yeah. so sweet. Have you ever thought of having a little uh, balloon poodle of your own? By which I mean, uh, you know, a child, not another balloon inside a balloon. Is well, that possible?
3: I, not by blood. Okay. Like, like, I can't have like a genetic child, but I do have a few vampire children. I see. Now, oh, are like these, people
1: yeah. that you've turned into vampires. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Oh, okay. Yes. Yes.
3: Okay. Yeah. Now, are they yeah, cursed
0: yeah. with the, the constant d- permanent development of being a child, or do they become super intelligent?
3: Well, you see children? what we We call our, vamp- our vampire child can be any age. That's the thing. I see. Yeah, so I have vampire children of all ages.
0: Okay. Yeah. I see. Yeah. That's interesting. Um, one of my,
3: uh, one, one of the most, uh, I guess, interesting, um, maybe failed children of mine uh, is, is Tommy Wiseau. Mm. Yeah, he's that one explains.
0: of he's... Yeah,
3: well, something he... went wrong with that one. Yeah. Maybe I didn't drain all the blood, or I drained too much blood. I I don't know what went wrong, but I I'm trying to learn. From
0: that. Did he get some blood poisoning? Was that the problem? Did, Maybe, did it, Maybe I, I might have
3: waited too long to drain the blood.
0: I'm I guess that explains him. where his money came from, or why he's uh, such a peculiar man. I mean, successful in his own way. I guess somebody had to kind of push him along. He has a whole secret society to work off of, and he had that great billboard. But um, yeah, I mean, hey, yeah, at least he at least he manages managed it um so you have all these children do, do you have any followers that are really desperate to become a vampire because i know that's a thing too um y- you know i mean i don't know if i'm at that stage yet but maybe there'll be a year where i just decide that i'm going to place all of my effort into servitude you know just for the chance of eternal life eternal hey, life I, seems pretty great i
3: am always looking for more servants are you if taking you,
0: applications yeah i mean if, I, that might be interesting
3: interested I can always use more servants.
0: Mm-hmm. Now, uh, when you say servants, do you mean that it comes with the guarantee of becoming a vampire, or will I be in my like last years of life kind of like begging for the chance to live?
3: It depends how good a job.
0: Okay, okay. Well, I'm, we'll see how much effort I put into that. I mean, it, I feel like if I did it, if I got started now Madryn, I, I might be able to put in some good years of servitude and and maybe kind of by my middle age, I could become a vampire and that that wouldn't yeah. be too bad. But I don't that think I'd want right. to be a, a late stage human vampire forever. But, you know, at a certain point at your old age, you think uh, I wouldn't want to be in that state. So I got to. Yeah, gotta like, make... I don't
1: think I'd want to permanently be 90, but I also definitely don't want to permanently be 12.
0: Yeah. So maybe I just got to strategize. Um, do, do you take a deferred application? Can I defer my application for vampirism? Or or is this um, setting me down a, a, a poor path?
3: The position will be posted until filled. Okay. Oh, okay. 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 Madrin, I must say your neck is looking stunning.
1: Oh, thank you. I moisturize. I can
0: tell. Yeah. Well, it's a good thing that we do these these sessions remotely um, just for our own safety. Um, As appetizing as Madrin's neck may look, um, (laughs) it is important that we maintain a certain amount of distance. Um, You wouldn't be the first uh, monster who got a little bit snacky uh, during the segment. Oh. now, on the topic of necks and blood and things, do different blood types taste different? I can understand that you know, our diet would change the way that we taste. Like if we eat a bunch of McDonald's, we'd be a little salty. Or
1: or like if you if you fed off of somebody who specifically had kind of a, a, a blood issue. Like I can imagine that someone with diabetes would taste differently than somebody without
0: diabetes. But I'm even curious about like Different yeah, like does like, like O
1: taste different than A B positive or something?
3: Uh-huh.
0: Yeah, they do actually. Oh, yeah.
1: yeah, yeah. Oh. What's your uh, what's your favorite uh, flavor type? Uh, yeah, you what's know, your favorite blood type
3: flavor? You know, uh, most vampires like the O's, but I, you know, I'm I'm sick of those. So mm-hmm. I, I I like a nice B positive. Oh, Ooh.
1: oh, okay. Well, isn't O the most common blood type?
3: Yeah, well, you know, they say once the universal donor, once the universal receiver. I say blah blah blah. blah.
0: Yeah, sure, people, sure, sure. You know, people like what they like. Sometimes there's O people, but uh, you got to enjoy that uh, counterculture. That uh, that that B plus, B positive. You like yourself you know? a nice yeah,
1: yeah. a nice B positive? You should yeah, go yeah. For it. Yeah.
0: Well, what
3: are, what, what's your blood type, by the way, Matt?
1: I legit don't know, and uh-huh. I think that that's going to come around to bite me in the ass one day. Like, I think I'm going to be in an accident. They're going to be like, "Oh my god, we need to know your blood type," and I'll be like, "Red."
0: I think I that I don't think mine is the most <laughs> common one, but I think it's also not the least common one. I, I, I think maybe O negative. Don't know. Can't remember. Hope I don't need oh, I to could know. give a
3: little taste and let me
0: know. Um, I will think uh... about that. If uh, I particularly uh, don't like needles, so I have no uh, need to send you my blood. But next time I got a oh. little nick. Um, I'll put it in an envelope and I'll ship it off to you and, and you can give it a give it a whiff. You know, you I can, can actually
3: hypnotize you. I can hypnotize you, bite you, you wake up later and you never even knew what happened. You might also be a yeah. vampire.
0: I mean, I, would this be the same as what happened when I was playing Oblivion 4 and I realized I'm a vampire <laughs> and then I just like midday and it's ruined my life and then I have to quit my own life because I don't know how to un-be a vampire? Only
3: if you go outside without sunscreen.
0: But I go outside without sunscreen all the time. Oh. Uh, yeah,
3: well, that's that's the that's mistake, right? Yeah. Now, now that the sunscreen's been invented, I can go outside, it's great. Oh! Really, what, what?
1: that's all you need is just a good, Coat of copper tone, and you're good. very
0: thick coat. You got to actually. Okay. What SPF do you need to to manage under the sun? Two hundred. Two Oh, oh wow. it's just a heavy. Duty. Who makes
1: hey. an SPF two hundred?
0: Yeah, yeah. Uh, actually,
3: it's this uh, vampire company. Uh yeah, yeah. They got a
0: special.
3: So is it stuff.
1: just is it just like a blanket <laughs> over your? It's face? a it's
3: a thick cream, and it's part oh, of the reason sorry. actually that I I went with the birthday clown idea oh because the big
1: white thick lotion on your face that all makes so much yeah so i don't put
0: i don't put makeup on my face it's just you just put
1: the sunblock (sighs) on oh that makes sense that makes did you have
0: some sort of a situation where you stumbled into a children's birthday party and they thought you were a clown and that's the profession was born or did you search it out yourself
3: you know i i i Actually got interested, uh, you know, back in the in the 70s there uh-huh. was all these murders going on, uh-huh and uh, you know that, that caught my attention because hey murders that's kind of fun. Uh-huh. Um, but then it I seemed to
0: be no consequence for a little while for those too, so that's got to be appealing for you.
3: So I yeah drew my attention to that, that murdering birthday clown, and I was like oh it'd be a murdering birthday clown, eh?
2: mm-hmm.
3: but then I kind of. Try to steer away from the murdering after a while and focus on the birthday clown because they're sure. so passionate about it. Yeah, and, I mean, if I didn't you, want the murder to get in the way of the clown,
0: you don't want murdering to be your whole identity, too, right? Exactly. You know, yeah. you, you, it's nice that you did some uh, some personal growth there and, and found out uh, that you're not just a murderer. That you've got I, uh, other other great qualities. It's to nice some-
1: to it's good to be well rounded. You know, have a a good eclectic skill set.
3: I went to some meetings and I, you know, I just realized that humans are friends, not food.
1: Oh, so are there, like is heard there heard like, somewhere. yeah, is there like AA for vampires? Like, were you trying to kick the habit of eating off of people?
3: Yeah, it's uh, AA positive.
0: Oh, i see A-A-pop. but i feel like um, yeah, if it was yeah. a, a group of vampires they're probably trying to convince you to get back to murdering people right like, oh there are groups that try to do that that's so sure. i guess yeah. you have to decide which um, one you're, you're trying to decide whether you're a vampire trying to go back to being a vampire or a vampire trying to not murder exactly. people it's uh i guess there's two kind of major schools of thought there
3: exactly um, and, you know nicholas cage is such a bad influence he's always trying to drag me back to the murdering
0: and yeah. And the blood Oh, sucking.
1: so Nicolas Cage is a is a feasting on people, murdering
0: kind of vampire? Absolutely, yeah. He most have, of, okay, okay. He must have quite the cleanup crew because I think a I lot like of the unsolved
3: the murders in America today are Nicolas Cage.
0: Huh? Is he the Zodiac killer? Oh, I said I'd
3: never say. Okay, I, I made a promise <laughs> to Typical someone. Typical
0: Zodiac business. Okay, well, I have one more important question to ask you um you know, this uh maybe you've seen this uh question posed before it's kind of like almost buzzfeed style quiz uh which vampire archetype are you so i'm gonna oh. go through the nine vampire archetypes that i found and we're gonna see which one appeals to to you most that you think okay. contains your identity we were talking about them earlier and i think they're fun you can always go up to unwinnable.com <laughs> to find out uh, more about them we did have. they sponsor you? Did they? Did they give money? To, like, no, I've just said it. it. I've said, but I hope they do now. Um, I could use the sponsorship. I'll also take uh sponsorship from streamers uh, if they're going anything spooky. We'll take it. Um, okay. So there's nine. First we have seductive sinners, then we have medieval revenants, aristocratic romantics, castle dwelling drama queens. Like Noctur- Nick. Oh yeah. Yes, like Nick. Nocturnal party animals, like, um, I guess, Elizabeth. Yeah. Uh, uh, Nightmare-inducing monsters, maybe also, Elizabeth. That was my early years, that's for sure. Yeah. Weapon-wielding goths. Uh, I'm not sure if you have the outfit for that, but maybe. Um, Emotionally unavailable hunks and high school heartthrobs. Now, I feel like you're past your high school days. Not to say that you couldn't be a heartthrob, um, but uh, maybe that one is the one that applies the most. Does is, is any of those stand out as uh, feeling like your type of vampire? Uh, You
3: know, probably the goth one.
0: Yeah? Yeah. Yeah, did yeah. you go through a goth phase? I mean, I, mean, I feel like... I mean, who uh, doesn't? I'm,
3: I mean, yeah, the 1300s.
0: <laughs> yes. Oh, yeah, good point. Yeah.
3: Yeah. I mean, we kind of all did back then. It was a thing.
0: Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, I imagine the parties must have been quite lavish. And, they uh,
3: were, they were.
0: Yeah, yeah quite. No, I mean, you know, well. I, I feel like
3: a, a clown, my clown outfit is kind of an extension of that.
0: Mm, it grew out of that, uh, that uh, personality. Oh, very cool. Um, well, we have reached a very important segment of the show. Um, this show, uh, segment is uh, branded uh, by Madron's Request as with our dying, uh, with your dying breath, with our dying breath, with your dying breath, um you are going to do something so um you can describe a scenario and then with your dying breath you will pitch something uh, to our listeners into the world uh Madryn since you invented this segment I'm gonna let you kick it off today uh with oh. all the uh, gusto and excitement uh, you have planned to deliver <laughs>
1: <laughs> oh okay um, um I Don my beautiful red cape that was made for me by my loving grandmother and I pick up a basket of goodies that I'm going to bring to my grandmother and she lives in the woods naturally and so I am going off. Uh, walking through this wooded path to deliver all of these baked goods to my grandmother. And all of a sudden I hear a twig snap behind me and as I look and there's no one there. and No, oh, but it's kind of scary and spooky. And I, ooh, what do I do? And then I turn around again and then there's this big giant monster in front of me and it growls at me and it, hit, and it knocks me down on the ground. And then I'm getting all tangled up in my cape and I can't see what it is. And it's very frightening and scary. And I can feel it slashing at me at my throat and I'm bleeding everywhere. And I think, oh no, this is it. Uh, I I oh oh but you know what would be so great if this if I could just for one last time go and visit this place and so with, with my dying breath I think, uh I think that the next time I want to buy a gift for someone I'm going to go to La Dida uh, oh. on the on Danforth it's on Danforth just east of Broadview and In I went Toronto? there in Toronto. Uh, And I don't know why. Like I kind of like I used to work very close to there. uh, And I've never been there before. But I went and I bought something for my sister's birthday. And I won't say what because she might listen. Mm -hmm. Um, But it's full of like just the most fun, beautiful, most colorful stuff. And I could have spent days in that store. It's like jewelry and mugs and knickknacks and stationery and Fun, colorful funky socks and it was just so much fun and I highly highly recommend if you're looking for a fun gift for someone to go to La Di Da on Danforth.
0: Wow nice uh well I guess I'll go next um now I you know just got off vacation but sometimes I need an extra summer vacation so let's imagine uh that I have gone off uh, for a nice retreat to a um cottage on an island in the woods, and I've taken all of my favorite books with me wait, to read. Wait, wait,
1: wait. How is there an island in the woods?
0: Um, Well, I mean, my uncle's cottage is an island in a park in the woods. All right. The woods are attached to the island. So uh, I wasn't imagining it there, but I feel like I've described such a specific scenario that let's say that I am there on beautiful Charleston Lake and there is a massive storm that comes uh, and, and a, a tornado, uh, which I guess to this point is a hurricane is ripping through the lake towards me. And I look at my books and I look at the tornado and then I look at my books again and then I look at the tornado again. And every time I look back and forth, it's getting closer and closer. And I think this is the moment, this is the moment where I get ripped apart and thrown into the stratosphere. I only have time to read one more book. So I read one of my favorite books which is Guillermo del Toro's <laughs> Cabinet of Curiosities, which is a fantastic book um, that features all of his notebooks and collections and notes of almost all of his films and goes through great detail, um, all of the inspiration that he, that he puts into creating his films, including his uh, evolution of vampires through film. And I think, yeah, that was it. That was the right book to read. And then I'm ripped apart into a million pieces, um, thrilled with my decision. And that's what I did with my dying breath. What would you do with your dying breath, Eddie?
3: So I'm on my motorcycle driving down the highway. Got my girl Juliet the werewolf on the back.
2: <laughs> nice.
3: Riding down like nothing matters. It's nighttime. As we go, just driving and driving and driving. We're thinking, we've been driving for a week just to get back to our kids that we left at home. As the sun starts to rise and it starts to burn my skin, I try to hold control of the motorcycle. We misjudged the time because we just got lost spending time looking in each other's eyes.
0: As also, ro- looking at each other's eyes while, while driving the motorcycle was also dangerous, but I'm glad. That, that was the problem. That, we, couldn't
3: yeah. st- we couldn't stop looking into each other's eyes. As the sun rises, it burns my skin, and I just lose control. We go flying. We're going 150 miles an hour, and we just fly. As we tumble and roll in each other's arms, as the sun's rising, just starting to burn me away, I have her in my arms, and with my dying breath, I think, Tomorrow is my kid's birthday. I should have hired Eddie the Clown. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> yep.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So absolutely. hire Eddie the Clown Eddie the for clown. all your
3: birthday clown needs.
0: Yeah. He'll never, he'll never burn. He'll never burn um, during because right. he's always got lots of sunscreen on. And, and I hear he has a pretty phenomenal uh, uh, poodle that he can do. Um, you know, so that's a pregnant poodle if a you would make poodle. a special request. Got to see. Mm-hmm. Can you also do a sword inside a sword?
3: I can do a sword inside a sword. Nice.
1: Can nice. you do a giraffe?
3: Oh, absolutely. That's In- the, inside a giraffe. Back. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, I can put anything inside anything. I could put a poodle inside a giraffe, I could put a sword inside a poodle.
0: And and sorry, just you were still talking about balloons, right? You can't just put a giraffe inside a giraffe, can you?
3: Oh, well, I can't put a giraffe in a giraffe, but I can put a sword in a poodle in real life. I've
0: done that. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Yeah. Well, yeah, yeah, yeah. I guess uh, a lot of people have done a lot of things. Well, um, Eddie, your life is a pretty extraordinary journey um, full with the uh, love and conquest and um, precision of balloon uh, malleability. Um, is there any one last word of wisdom that you'd like to give our listeners just before we sign off for this episode and, and journey into uh, the rest of our lives?
3: Well actually I was uh kinda wondering after this recording. Uh, imagine, what are you what are you doing after this recording?
1: Um I, you know, I don't really. I don't have any. Set.
3: I was thinking maybe you could invite me over and you know, we, um, you show me your, your neck.
1: Uh so, so uh, sorry Eddie, the, the the zoom connection is kind of breaking up. kind of break it up, I can't really that sounds hear. Pretty- you
2: sound, oh, clear. I was just... you
0: sound pretty clear to me, Madryn. I don't know. No, it's... I
1: didn't. It's just I can't. No, I was just
0: okay. trying I'm to really say. I think. Me. I think
3: if you like, if you invite me over, I, I, I you know, your, your neck is just looking. I can't um, stop
0: looking at it. Is that Ben over there in the background? is there something? Yeah, you have to go I think. Do? Oh, is he calling oh, you for dinner?
1: Look, it's yeah. I think dinner's ready. I should go.
0: No, that's too bad. That's a shame. Well. Um, anyway, uh, the point is, uh, I'm sure if, if anybody's cooked a little bit too much dinner, um, Eddie would be happy to come and visit you. Um, just, um, uh, ma- give him a call maybe at his, uh, at his clown service. Can you just plug that number for us, Eddie? Uh, and they'll yeah, just give yeah, you yeah. a call and invite you over.
3: Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's, uh, one 800 the Clown
0: yeah yeah yeah. whatever number amount of uh, numbers that is (laughs) that is the correct number Uh, well thank you so much for joining us for another episode of monstrology we're so excited Uh, our next episode is going to be episode number 20 crazy Uh, and um, until we see you next I hope that your life is filled with uh, as many or as few monsters as you would like have a great life and try not to die bye Monstrology is homegrown Canadian content, co-hosted by Will King and Madrin McCabe, edited and produced by Will King, and distributed on the Podbean platform. As a young hatchling podcast, it means a lot to us if you rate, review, and subscribe to Monstrology on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever your monsters are found.